Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Ethel, Episode 21 There's Blanche now, exclaimed Dorothy at the breakfast table the next morning as she filled her uncle's coffee cup for the second time. Ah, Blanche, as the door opened and the young girl walked in, you are good in obeying orders, and I'm glad to see you. As we all are, said her uncle, come, take a seat here by my side and have a cup of coffee. Thank you, sir. I have been to breakfast, she said, taking the indicated seat and exchanging a morning salutation with her cousins George and William. And, oh, Uncle, I want to thank you for the lovely lace you have given me and the beautiful dress. I know it's beautiful, though I haven't had the pleasure of seeing it yet. Well, you shall have that pleasure presently when we are all done with breakfast, he said. I am glad you like my gift. I think I must spare you a few minutes of my valuable time. We are all done eating, and we will go up now to your aunt's room to say good morning to her and show you the wedding silk for she wants the pleasure of seeing how you like it come along dorothy george and will if you care to see what impression it makes said her uncle all accepted the invitation and followed quickly after him and blanche as he led her up the stairs and into mrs eldon's room where she sat in her invalid chair looking over the morning paper she turned toward them as they entered saying in a pleasant tone Ah, good morning, Blanche. I'm glad to see you. Good morning, my sons. Help your cousin and yourselves to seats. My dear, you are as much at home here as I am. I'm pleased that you found time to come up again before leaving for the store. Dorothy, will you please get out the packages and let Blanche see what she thinks of the goods? Dorothy opened a closet door and brought out several packages, done up in brown paper, handing one to her uncle. I think you are the one to show this, sir, she said with a smile. Very well, he replied, and in another moment Blanche was gazing with delighted eyes upon the rich folds of the white silk intended for her wedding dress. Oh, I think it is the very loveliest thing I ever saw, she exclaimed, clasping her hands in an ecstasy of admiration thank you uncle thank you a thousand times oh what a beautiful dress it will make a trimmed with that lovely lovely lace you have given ethel and me for that purpose yes it is very handsome and you must have veils too said her aunt enjoying the sight of the young girl's pleasure almost as much as she did that of the silk show her the material for them dorothy Dorothy obeyed, saying, This is Aunt Sarah's own gift toward your true sales. Oh, Auntie, thank you very much, cried Blanche, examining it critically. It is just lovely, and I'm sure will make up beautifully. I'm glad you like it, Mrs. Eldon said with a gratified look. And these two dress patterns of different shades of gray silk are from Uncle Albert, remarked Dorothy, opening another package. He thought you would not want to be always dressed exactly alike, and says you are to decide for yourselves which shall have which. Ethel, as the eldest, should be the one to settle that question, said Blanche. I think them both so beautiful that I shall not care which is, le is left for me. Oh, how kind in Uncle Albert to give them to us. And here is another handsome black silk to make a dress for each of you, continued Dorothy, opening still another package and displaying its contents. It is Aunt Augusta's wedding gift. I, 
I am almost overwhelmed, cried Blanche, scarcely able to speak for emotion. I, who never before had even one perfectly new silk dress. Oh, Uncle George, I'm afraid you and Uncle Albert will ruin yourselves doing so much for us. I have no great apprehensions of that, my little girl, he returned with a fatherly smile. You are the only nieces we have to provide for, except Dorothy here for me, and I don't mean to let her go for a good while yet, smiling affectionately upon her. So it would be a sad pity if we couldn't open our hearts enough to give you a few wedding clothes. But I must go now, and I think it would do well for you and Dorothy to start out pretty soon to attend to that important shopping which I hear you have on hand. With that, the three gentlemen withdrew from the room, and after a few minutes' chat with their aunt about the purchases to be made that morning, Dorothy and Blanche started out also. They returned to Ethel at dinner time to report as good success with their shopping as hers of the previous day. Blanche had bought a gray traveling dress of a different shade from that of her sister, a hat and gloves to match it, besides various smaller articles needed to complete her trousse. And Ethel admired the, and approved to the entire satisfaction of the purchasers. Now, said Dorothy, I think we need to do, do very little, if any more, shopping for some weeks when the spring fashions have come out. But there is plenty of sewing connected with what we have already bought to keep us all three busy. How I wish you were ready to come to us at once, so that we could get fairly to work immediately. Dorothy, how very kind you are, said Ethel, giving her a bright look and smile. I doubt if many girls in your place would think it any concern of theirs whether our sewing was done in season or not, or offer us any assistance with it. Ah, but you see I am naturally fond of such doings as you have on hand at present, laughed Dorothy. Now can't you decide to close out earlier than you have been intending to, say in two or three weeks, if not sooner? I know perfectly well that Anne and Uncle would be delighted to have you come to them so much sooner than you have intended to say nothing of the boys and the girl, Dorothy. Then perhaps you may be glad to hear of something that occurred this morning while you two were shopping. A woman called in to say that, hearing I was going to give up the house this spring, she would like to look at it with a view to taking it. So I took her over it from attic to cellar. She seemed to think it would exactly suit her, and if it would not inconvenience me to move out sooner than I had intended, say in a week or two, she would be very glad to take it off my hands, buying the fixtures, most of the furniture, and the goods also, as she means to keep the same kind of stock, and settling for the rent I should have to pay the landlord if I had stayed on as long as I had intended. Oh, delightful, cried Dorothy. I hope you close with the offer at once. No, not exactly, replied Ethel, smiling at Dorothy's earnestness. But I told her I would give her my answer tomorrow or next day. I wanted time, you see, to consult my uncles, and to make sure I should not inconvenience anybody by accepting the invitation from Uncle George and Aunt Sarah so much earlier than they and we had expected. I can assure you, you needn't hesitate one minute about that, returned Dorothy. Suppose you come up and talk with Aunt Sarah and the uncles this evening and have it settled. Then you can see some pretty things we were showing Blanche this morning. Oh, yes, Ethel, some lovely gifts to us from Uncle Albert and the two aunts. Oh, hush, cried Dorothy. Don't tell what they are, but let her be surprised as you were this morning. Why, you cruel thing, the idea of keeping her waiting so long, exclaimed Blanche in insimulated wrath. Oh, I can't wait, laughed Ethel. 
mysteries and expectations are really delightful things sometimes. Now I think of it, as we do not often have much customers in the evenings, Harry and you and I, Blanche, my goat uncle George's after tea, and talk the matter over with him and Uncle Albert, see the pretty things too, and thank them and the aunts for their gifts. The others thought well of the plan, and it was duly carried out. The uncles highly approved of the immediate closing up of Ethel's business, and the coming to their houses of both nieces and nephew without any unnecessary delay. In consequence, they were all, in less than a fortnight, installed as temporary members of their Uncle George's family, the girls very busy with the necessary preparations for their approaching nuptials, and Dorothy equally so as their most kind helper. The young lady cousins next door took a languid interest and prepared some little wedding gifts for each of their prospective brides, but that was the utmost of their helpfulness. Busy though they were, very busy with their preparations, Ethel and Blanche managed to find time to carry on a brisk correspondence with Piercy and Stuart, whose letters kept them informed of the progress made from week to week in the building of their houses, laying out of the grounds, showing them that they confidently hoped to have the pretty homes ready in good season for their occupants. Their fathers, so they wrote, would give them not the grounds and houses alone, but furniture for them also, and it was their intention to buy carpets, curtains, and parlor furniture at least, in Philadelphia, when they went on for their brides. These would be sent immediately to Pleasant Plains, as their town was called, and arranged in the houses by their Aunt Annis and others of the family who intended to remain at home while the bridal party made their wedding trip visiting various places of note in the eastern and middle states. "'Oh, how pleasant!' exclaimed Dorothy on hearing of these arrangements. "'You can go right into your own homes just as soon as you reach the town. I should like nothing better if I were in your place.' "'It suits us exactly,' said Ethel. Aunt Sarah was saying only this morning that it was time to be preparing invitations to the wedding and sending them out, remarked Dorothy, and she wants you girls to make out a list of the relatives and friends of the bridegroom that are to be who ought to receive cards so that she can attend to the business, which is just in her line, as she can do it sitting in her chair and with very little exertion. It is most kind in aunt, and we will write at once for such a list, replied Ethel, looking highly gratified, for both she and Blanche wished to show every attention to the relatives of Piercy and Stuart, but had not thus far felt that they had any right to invite them, or any one, to the house of their uncle, and he had expressed a wish to have the ceremony performed in his own parlour. The letters were promptly written, sent by the next train for the West, and a reply containing the requested list came by the return of mail. It gave the names of relatives only, few besides the Keiths, Aunt Wealthy Stanhope, and such of the Dinsmores as were related to Mrs. Marcia Keith, the maternal grandmother of Piercy and Stuart, including, of course, those of New Jersey who had for years so kindly befriended Ethel, Blanche, and their younger brother and sister. The girls had few friends or acquaintances outside of the families of their two uncles, and desiring a quiet wedding because of their recent bereavement, none others were invited. They were very busy with their preparations, yet had time enough to take manners easily and not be so overworked as to mar their good looks or exhaust their strength. They were almost at leisure and looking rosy and happy when their intended partners for life walked in upon them some days before the one appointed for the important ceremony. The arrival was not unexpected, for it had been agreed upon that they should come in good season to allow time for each young 
couple to make their purchases of household goods and have them shipped for Pleasant Plains before the wedding. Some two or three days were spent most enjoyably in this fascinating work of choosing the adornments of their future homes. Dorothy sometimes accompanied them by invitation that they might have the benefit of her excellent taste and judgment. In the meantime, letters of acceptance or declination, accompanied by gifts, principally for silverware, came pouring in from the invited relatives, causing the most pleasurable excitement Ethel and Blanche had ever known. Dorothy hardly rejoiced with and for them, fairly going into ecstasies over a diamond pin for each from Mr. Horace Dinsmore and his father, and lovely bracelets from Mr. Travilla and his wife, the dear cousin Elsie, of whom they had often heard Mrs. Landreth speak. These handsome gifts were accompanied by letters expressing kindly interest in the hope of making the acquaintance of the young brides at some future day, but declining to attend the wedding, as it was not convenient for any of them to leave home just at that time. Aunt Wealthy, too, declined for the same reason, and because of her advanced years, but sent a piece of silverware to each of the brides and a warm, even urgent invitation for a visit to her on their homeward way. "'Dear old auntie,' exclaimed Piercy on reading the letter which Ethel had handed to him. "'I think, Stuart, we should try to manage it, if our brides are willing,' he added with a smiling glance at the two girls sitting near. "'It will not take us very much out of our way, and would be such a gratification to her.' "'With all my heart, if the ladies do not object,' returned Stuart, with an inquiring look at them. I do not believe either of them would regret it, for she is, as you say, a dear old lady. A very amusing one also at times, he added with a mirthful look. Oh, yes, I have heard your mother and sister speak of her, Piercy, and I should like nothing better to, than to pay her a little visit in her own house, and engage her to make a return, if possible, Ethel said, her eyes sparkling with pleasure at the very idea. I too exclaimed Blanche, oh, it would be lovely, better than going to the eastern states if we cannot do both. Oh, we can do both, said Stuart, if we do not stay too long at any one place. Yes, of course, we do not expect ever to have another honeymoon, laughed Piercy. If nobody objects, I'll write at once to Aunt Wealthy that we hope and expect to accept her invitation. A moment of silence, then Blanche said, I think you are safe in doing so, as we have all expressed a desire to make the visit. Yes, then I'll write tonight, said Piercy. Oh, by the way, I received a letter from Cousin Horace Dinsmore, Jr., who is about my own age, accepting an invitation I sent him the other day to be one of our groomsmen. I'm pleased to hear it, said Ethel, having heard a great deal about the family. I've wanted very much to see them, which I intend you show one of these days if I have to take you all the way down there, laughed Piercy. Possibly you may be able to introduce induce them to pay us a visit this coming summer or fall, said Stuart. I own to a strong desire to see them myself, so many years having passed since there was an exchange of visits, that I have no recollection of any of the family. I should think not, laughed Piercy, for if I am not mistaken, none of them have visited our part of the country since you were born. I was taken down there in my babyhood, but of course have no recollection of the circumstances or of the relatives I saw there. But we have heard so much talk about them and read so many of their letters that it almost seems as if we had seen and known them. Yes, I believe you are right, Stuart said musingly. I shall be pleased to make the acquaintance of Horace Jr., so I'm very glad he is coming. It brings up the number of our groomsmen to six, Horace. Harry Eldon, Stuart Landreth, and the three cousins of the brides, George, William, and Albert. 
and we have the same number of bridesmaids, remarked Blanche, your sister, and Piercy's too, his and your cousin Mary Keith, our cousin Minnie Eldon, and Dorothy, Aunt Sarah says we must have a rehearsal tonight. Yes, said Stuart, and another after a horse Dinsmore gets here, as he will tomorrow, I think. And we expect all our party from Pleasant Plains to be here in the city by that time, added Piercy, so that we may hope to get all the intended bridesmaids and groomsmen together for that second one. I think they will get in tonight, said Stuart, and it will be well if they do, as that will give them, I mean the girls particularly, time to rest a bit before going through the ordeal. The rehearsal will be scarcely an ordeal, but, it was Blanche who spoke, but she paused without finishing her sentence and assuming a comical expression of pretended fright and apprehension. The actual ceremony will, queried Stuart laughingly. Yes, remembering that I have heard more than once that men are deceivers, she sighed. Alas, if I should be mistaken in the one to whose keeping I commit my happiness, it would be dreadful, returned Stuart, regarding her with admiring, laughing eyes, and perhaps equally so, should I be mistaken in the little woman to whom I commit mine. But I am not afraid, nor need you be, Blanche, let me assure you, said Piercy. Try to be as reasonable and trustful as Ethel, who I feel convinced is not the least afraid of me, he added with a happy little laugh and a glance of ardent affection at his betrothed. Ah, who shall say that that is not because she's a brave, if not particularly bright woman, laughed Ethel. I, said Piercy, you, Miss Eldon, are the only person who will be permitted to utter such a slander concerning her in my presence. The next few days seemed taken up by a whirl of pleasurable excitement. Introductions to new friends, soon to become relatives, the reception of many beautiful presents, the rehearsals of those who were to take part in the ceremony, the trimming of the house with flowers, the trying on of wedding finery, and selecting of flowers, orange blossoms for the adornment of the brides. There was scarcely time to think of the pain of the coming party from brother, uncles, and other relatives. Pain it would be, yet not to be compared with that of many a young bride who must leave father, mother, home, and more than one loved brother and sister. The wedding was a pronounced success, brides and bridesmaids looking their best, groom and groomsmen also, and each going through his or her part of the ceremony in an altogether credible manner. A wedding feast followed, then came the leave-takings and the scattering of the guests and the bridal party, the latter taking the cars for New York, where they spent some days in sightseeing. From there they went on to Boston, where a week was spent visiting places in the city and its vicinity, and resting from a historical point of view. Then they returned to New York, went up the Hudson on a fine steamer to West Point, where they spent a day and a night, then by boat again up to Albany where they made but a brief halt, then took the cars for Saratago, spent a few days there, during which they visited the battlefield, all being intensely interested in everything connected with the struggle that had made the nation. Their next pause was at Niagara, where they made a brief stay to see the falls. From there they went to Lansdale, Ohio, to pay the promised visit to Aunt Wealthy, which would be their last halt on their homeward way. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baker Salt Story Classic.